Welcome into Real Pod Wednesdays. Dan Hope joined by Andy Anders. Hope you all had a good Halloween out there. Andy, you're you're young enough. You could still be trick or treating. You you go trick or treating last night? Uh, unfortunately, I did not, Dan. Uh, though I, it would have been nice to get some candy. Though I've heard they're they're hiding uh, sign stealing men named Connor Stallions inside Snicker bars these days. You got to check your kids' candy, parents. It, the, you might uh, you might find some surprises out there. I, I did see some tweets about that. You know, I did not go out trick or treating myself. I don't really get any trick or treaters uh, where I live, but I, I am curious to see how many people dressed up as Connor Stallions. And did they dress up as Michigan Connor Stallions or did they dress up as Central Michigan Connor Stallions? Important distinction there. You need uh, sunglasses, maybe in both cases, though I guess they're a little more apt at night in the central Michigan case. And, uh, you know, a blank clipboard with nothing on it. You know, uh, there's important distinctions between the two costumes outside of just uh, what team you're, you're sporting there. Yeah, it's very appropriate that on Halloween, we're talking about someone dressed up in disguise in the uh, old Michigan sign-stealing scandal that continues to dominate the conversation in college football. But we're not going to talk too much about that today because we got a lot of other stuff to get to. We got plenty of takeaways from Ohio State's win over Wisconsin. Uh, We've got a a game against Rutgers this week, which usually we'd spend about two minutes talking about Rutgers. But I want to spend a little bit longer than that talking about Rutgers because Rutgers is actually pretty good this year. This is not uh, the the Rutgers that we're necessarily used to. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit as well. Uh, We're also going to, at the end of the show, we're going to do our basketball head-to-head draft of this year's team, Ohio State basketball, getting ready to start the season next week. So it's a good time for that. I've done it with Colin before. I've done it with Griffin before. We'll see how how Andy fares as we go head-to-head to pick lineups from the Ohio State men's basketball team. But we're going to start out by talking about the initial college football playoff rankings because those came out on Tuesday night. And Ohio State is the number one team in the initial college football playoff rankings, which uh, number one is certainly a good place to be in the eyes of a committee that will ultimately determine Ohio State's fate and whether it has a chance to compete for a national championship this year. And Not a big surprise, I think, to either of us or or many people who have been following college football that Ohio State would end up as the number one team, not necessarily because they've looked like the best team, but because they have the best resume. You look at Ohio State's wins over Notre Dame and Penn State, both of those teams ranked in the top 15 in the initial CFP rankings. They're the only unbeaten team with two wins over top 25 opponents. When you compare Ohio State's resume to Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, and Washington, Ohio State has the most wins against Power 5 teams with winning records in that group. Ohio State's opponents among those groups have the best overall winning percentage. And so typically the committee has based, especially its initial rankings, on what teams' resumes are coming in over the course of those two months of a season. And I think when you look at the resumes of the five unbeaten Power 5 teams, I think there was a pretty clear case for Ohio State to be number one in these rankings. Right, and especially when you look at the top three uh, between Georgia and Michigan in particular, who, you know, their best win right now is probably Rutgers. Um, And and again, we're going to talk about Rutgers being a better team this year, but certainly not of the caliber of uh, Notre Dame or a Penn State win there. And heck, Wisconsin might even be a top 25 team before it's all said and done, uh, depending on how they close out the season. Certainly no slouch of a team there to go up into Madison and get a win was a win that... uh, Chairman Boo Corrigan pointed to again today, tonight in his teleconference, talking about why Ohio State was ranked number one. And also seems like the committee is very impressed with Ohio State's defense, currently number two in scoring, number four in total D. The the Buckeyes have been on top of uh, their game defensively this year. It's a different Ohio State team than I think the committee is accustomed to seeing. But um, as you know, we've said here, there's no problem with Ohio State being a defensive driven team for once. I think the committee kind of looks at it the same way. Yeah, I mean, really, if you were going to argue against Ohio State being number one, the, the, the biggest argument you'd have is that 
at least statistically, Ohio State has the worst offense of those five teams this year, which is a big difference than any previous Ryan Day Ohio State team we've talked about, because typically it's been Ohio State has this really explosive offense. But what about the defense this year? That conversation has been flipped on its head where Ohio State offense. I mean, if you compare it to a Washington or a Florida State or a, a Georgia, you know, those teams offenses look better than Ohio State's have through two months of a year. But Ohio State got points from the committee for having an elite defense. And one thing that Boo Corrigan did say on Tuesday night as well was that Ohio State does have difference makers on offense. He specifically mentioned Marvin Harrison Jr. multiple times. And you got the sense that in the committee's discussions about Ohio State, that they still feel like the ceiling of Ohio State's offense is higher than what Ohio State has shown so far. And I think that may have helped Ohio State's cause too in the sense that the the committee still feels like the best is yet to come for Ohio State's offense. Right, and especially the case another name Boo brought up was Emeka Buka. You know, when you talk about what he can provide to the passing game when he returns, uh, expect that this week, and we'll talk about that more later. But uh, just the ceiling is much higher for this Ohio State offense, like you said, Dan, uh, than what they've been at right now. And I, the committee sees that. Um, it'll be interesting to see how. Ohio State is ranked not just obviously on the final rankings, which matter the most. That's really the only ones that do matter, but also how they're ranked come it, come before that Michigan game when Michigan and Georgia have played some more quality opponents. Um, Michigan gets Penn State before the, you know they meet Ohio State at the, in the last week of the regular season there. So I'll be curious to see if Ohio State's able to hold on to that number one spot. What will that take? Um, how many style points do they need to put up? Uh, to say, you know, against Rutgers and Michigan State and Minnesota here the next few weeks. You are correct that the final rankings are the only ones that really matter, but I, I would like to push back a little bit about the narrative that gets put out there, even by some Ohio State writers that put the narrative out there that these rankings don't matter and Ohio State should just ignore them and, and don't pay attention to them. It doesn't matter. I would push back against that because I think it does matter that Ohio State is first rather than fourth or fifth right now. I, I think that is an indicator that Ohio State's margin for error is a little bit higher than it might be if Ohio State was fourth or fifth. Now, with that being said, the, the objective remains the same for Ohio State. Win every game. Because if you win every game, you don't have to worry about any of that. If, if Ohio State wins every game, Based on what we see tonight, I think there's a good chance if Ohio State wins every game, it's going to be the number one seed in the college football playoff. It, it has another chance for a huge resume-boosting win over Michigan. And if Ohio State can get that and it can run the table, I think at worst, Ohio State is going to be the number two seed in the CFP. And so Ohio State, that, that's the goal, period. You, you don't want to have to think about any of the other stuff. but. I do think that you feel better about Ohio State's chances of getting in, even if things don't perfectly, with Ohio State being ranked first, than Ohio State being ranked fourth or fifth. I think if you're the Big Ten, if you're Tony Petiti, you like seeing Ohio State at one and Michigan at three. Because I think if you're the Big Ten right now, I think you feel like you've got a legitimate shot at getting both of those teams in the CFP again if the only loss between them ends up being one of them to the other. And so I think in that sense, I think the rankings do matter. Now, like you said, they could still change a lot even before that Ohio State-Michigan game. If you look at Ohio State's schedule, Michigan is really the only resume booster left on it. And next three weeks, Ohio State is going to play Rutgers, Michigan State, Minnesota, all teams that are unranked. And so... A team like Georgia is, yeah, I think, you know, Georgia plays Missouri this weekend. Missouri is ranked in the top 12 in these initial rankings. So right there, you know, it, it's possible next, even next week, assuming both teams win, Georgia could jump Ohio State because it's going to get another ranked winner on its resume. And so, you know, we, we always see the rankings change a little bit from week to week, even if teams win, uh, you know, Ohio State, you know, may, you know maybe, you know, for, like you said, in three weeks from now, you know, if, if Ohio State's offense is still looking the way it's looked, maybe it does start to affect Ohio State more. And so, you know, you can only put so much stock into these first rankings. 
But I do think it, it, it's a good sign for Ohio State to see that, to see how much the committee values those wins over Notre Dame and Penn State right now. Because I do think that's a real thing. You look at the teams that are currently unbeaten. Ohio State has, right now, it has the best pair of wins out of those teams. It has one of the two best non-conference wins of, out of those teams, along with Florida State's win over LSU. And so those are all things that can help Ohio State if it ends up in a debate of teams down the line. But obviously, the, the, the goal remains just win every game, and then you won't have to worry about it. Absolutely. And that's why Ryan Day, I think, uh, earlier Tuesday in his press conference, you know, he talked about how, you know, they're not going to pay a whole lot of attention to these rankings because the important objective right now for this team is beat Rutgers, but also win out, handle business. If you accomplish the first two goals, which are, you know, as Day has said every year, beat Michigan, win the Big Ten title, you accomplish those first two goals. Now, uh, you know, unless something catastrophic happens in these next three weeks that I don't think anyone expects, uh, you're going to be in the playoff with a high seed. Uh, and then you take it from there in terms of achieving goal three, winning a national title. But it is nice, too, I think, from a fan perspective to have a little cushion of, you know, if you're making the debate against a one loss conference champion with a weaker resume or a two loss conference champion or another one loss team, if Ohio State doesn't achieve those things, if Ohio State does lose the last week of the season and finishes 11 and one and doesn't make the Big Ten title game, uh, you, you have a little bit of wiggle room maybe to try and be the second Big Ten team in. Um, and I think, you know, as the number one team now, if that ends up happening, you kind of have a case as the strongest non-champion. Uh, and, and then, you know, that gives you a shot at maybe snagging a fourth seed as they did last year. Now, Dan, I kind of wanted to talk a little more about the uh, overarching top 10 of this and what you know, your thoughts are, was there any teams in the committee's initial top 10 or even top 25 that you feel should be ranked higher, lower? Where do you stand? I mean, honestly, I think the, the one that caught my eye the most of a team that I'd like to see ranked higher is Air Force, which was ranked 25th. They're undefeated. And so I, lo I looked at them being ranked only 25th, being ranked behind another group of five team in Tulane. And I, I think Air Force should be ranked higher. In, in terms of the top 10, I, I think my only real qualm with the top 10 is that Oklahoma is ranked behind Texas because both teams have the same record and Oklahoma beat Texas head to head. And so I, I think Texas got credit for beating Alabama and the fact that their loss is to Oklahoma, whereas Oklahoma's loss is to a lower ranked team and Kansas. But to me, the head to head should trump that. And so I think, you know, Oklahoma should be seven, Texas should be eight, Alabama should be nine. The top six is honestly exactly what I expected it to be. And so I have no qualms of that at all. I think Ohio State has the best resume. That's why it's number one. I mean, Georgia, they're the two-time defending champs and, and they've continued to be dominant this year. Uh, and so I, I think they belong where they are. I mean, Michigan has been the most dominant team, but it also really hasn't played anybody. I mean, you said Rutgers, I think, is legitimately the best team Michigan has played so far this season. And so I think, you know, for that reason, it makes sense for Ohio State to be ranked ahead of those teams. I mean, if I was just going strictly based off eye test right now, I would say Georgia and Michigan are the two best teams. But I think Ohio State's resume to this point, based on who it's beaten, is much stronger than either of those teams. And I do think if, if, if you're a Florida State or a Washington fan, you could have a qualm with the fact that Ohio State is ranked ahead of those two teams, and they're not, because Florida State and Washington have stronger resumes than Georgia and Michigan, too. I mean, Washington has the best win of any of those teams. They beat Oregon, which is ranked six, making Oregon the highest one loss team. And so Washington has the best win in the country. I think Washington was hurt by the fact that in its last two games against a pair of two and six teams in Arizona State and Stanford, it's won by single digits. And so I think that hurt. Well, I think if Washington had won those games convincingly, I think Washington would have had a case to be as high as number one. But I think as, as mediocrely as Washington played in those last two games, I think that hurt 
Washington in the eyes of the committee, and rightfully so. And I think for Florida State, I think you know they've had as a, as impressive a performance as anyone with that season opening win versus LSU, but they haven't played any great competition since. You know, you would have thought going into the season that a win over Clemson would be a big deal, but Clemson's four and four. You know, even the win over Duke a couple weeks ago that looked better at the time. Now Duke has lost three of its last four, and they're unranked. And so I think. You know, the thing that really puts Ohio State over the top is, like you said, I mean, they've got two ranked wins, not just two ranked wins, but two top 15 wins and a- another win against Wisconsin against uh, there's a team that could definitely potentially be ranked in the top 25 by season's end. It's interesting because, you know, it's the same conversations you have every year with with the playoff era and a committee determining, you know, what factors it wants to put more importance on. And maybe, you know, in this spot, this applies more, but in this other spot, it doesn't like, you know, I, I think I definitely agree with you on the Oklahoma, Texas thing that, you know, I think there's some recency bias there with Oklahoma suffering the more recent loss um, to Kansas this past weekend and that kind of factoring in with how you know, the committee viewed those teams because the only team separating them is Alabama, who now, uh, of course, Texas beat. And so you rank Texas ahead of Alabama. But then I think you should the way I would have it is you put Oklahoma seven, Texas eight, Alabama nine. That would make sense to me um, just to reflect the head to head results in those matchups and all teams that have exactly one loss. Now, I agree with the committee's top six based on the criteria that Boo Corgan discussed with us after saying, you know, they gave every team coming into this year a blank sheet of paper. Didn't care what you did last year or any years before. Didn't care what conference you played in. It's about your resume this year, how you've looked this year. So on that, to that end, I agree with Ohio State being one. Personally, just me personally, I would still have Georgia number one and Ohio State two, uh, just based on. They are the two-time defending national champions. And until I actually see them lose a game, I know they've looked weak against some lesser competition. Auburn only beat them by a touchdown, kind of sleepwalked against Vanderbilt. But that's sometimes just a symptom of having a winning team, a winning culture. When you're used to winning, competing for national championships, sometimes it's easy to knock it up for the smaller opponents. And then they've dominated in their two biggest games of the year against Kentucky and Florida. So um, to to me, I still think Georgia's the best team um, until someone knocks them off. And I would still have them ranked number one. That's something you you can debate about with people. That's just me personally. I think based on what the committee said, what their criteria is, it's definitely fair to have Ohio State atop the rankings, and I'm not going to you know, scoff at it or anything like that. I definitely think it's worthy. They have the best resume in the country. I think that's pretty undeniable with those pair of wins we've been talking about, uh, and even the third win against Wisconsin. Now, we don't want to dwell on the rankings too long, as uh, I'm sure Ohio State fans, uh, you know, as Ohio State, not fans, but the team, indicated this week. Uh, Ohio State, speaking of that Wisconsin game, uh, another defensive-driven win for this team. You know, uh, really kept the Badgers contained offensively, didn't get let Braden Locke get a lot going through the passing game. Uh, Braylon Allen wasn't breaking off many big runs. The defense kind of kept control of the game for Ohio State until its offense did enough to secure a two-score win in Madison, which is something it hasn't achieved since 2000. So, Dan, top takeaways uh, for Ohio State from last weekend. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of been the theme of a season for Ohio State that, you know, in the bigger games, Ohio State's offense hasn't looked great. Ohio State ha- has struggled to finish drives. Ohio State ha- has not played up to its potential on the offensive side of a ball, but its defense ha- has consistently controlled games. And it was kind of like we talked about last week with Penn State, where even though Ohio State you know, never pulled away in this game. I mean, it, the largest lead it had was the 14 point lead it finished the game with. I never really felt like Ohio State was in serious danger of losing this game. I mean, it it looked a little bit questionable there at the start of a third quarter when Wisconsin drives down the field for a touchdown and ties the game. But I still felt like, you know, Wisconsin's offense was only going to be able to do so much against Ohio State's defense and that Ohio State was ultimately going to be able to win that game. And that and that's just a credit to how well Ohio State's defense is playing. It, it really is playing at an elite level week in and week out. And it is carrying the team right now. Yes. And I think something that 
has stood out to me with these defensive performances of late is it it's coming from a lot of different sources. You know, um, we saw Denzel Burke injured against Penn State. Jermaine Matthews steps into a big role there. Um, had a key injury this week with Lathan Ransom and Sonny Styles down the stretch has to take more reps at deep safety. You know, there's there's those classic depth things. But, you know, this week, I think every week, the players that really stand out to you have kind of changed and been different. This week, it was really Jack Sawyer having, I thought, one of his best games thus far in his Buckeye career. Um, got off there the quarterback a little bit, but it was mainly his run defense. His run, he had six tackles, forced fumble. Key One player who made a key goal line tackle there, uh, which we'll get into in a little bit. But there's... His strength at the point of attack, his ability to set the edge, those are the underrated parts of playing defensive end, and even though it's half of the equation is run defense, and he's been, I think, really strong in that area for this team all year, and maybe hasn't gotten enough credit for it, even from us, Uh, and he showed really good run defense against Wisconsin this past Saturday. And then Tommy Eichenberg, I think someone we were calling upon to make make a bigger impact and show up in bigger spots for this defense. So, you know, given his stardom entering this year, his role as quarterback of the defense this season showed that against Wisconsin on Saturday, came up in some big moments. And so, again, this just the way this defense is able to do it from different sources, different players making impacts as the game develops. You know, they're a really complete defense. They have guys at every position that can change the game, that can make plays. And uh, that's, I think every week something has stood out about the defense. That was my number one takeaway this week. You got to give Tyleek Williams some recognition too. two tackles right. for loss, a sack, a pass breakup. Uh, you know, been along with Denzel Burke, one of the most consistently dominant players on this Ohio State defense this year, and certainly was again against Wisconsin. Uh, Ohio State did something that you know we thought it should do uh, against Wisconsin too, and it it started Jordan Hancock at nickel, and I think Jordan Hancock. Uh, I mean, I think the last three weeks he's been fantastic, and I think he had another. A uh, fantastic game against Wisconsin. I think he's showing that he can do everything that you want him to do at that nickel position. I think, you know, it's almost like Sean Wade in 2019, where I think, you know, he kind of has that right mix of skills that makes him a really good fit for that nickel role on the defense. And that's, that's probably going to be a, a permanent move now going forward, especially with Leif and Ransom being injured because we saw that Sonny Styles was the guy who stepped in for Leif and Ransom uh, when Ransom went out of the game. And actually, even before that in the game, he, he played some snaps at, at deep safety. And, you know, Jim Knowles did say on Tuesday that some of that was matchup based, but it sounds like Ransom's probably going to be out for a period of time. And I think Styles is certainly the guy, especially if Jihad Carter also being injured, uh, Styles is the guy who's in line to take over that role from him. And I personally, I, I think that's really where he belongs, where he can thrive the best. I, I, I We've said it before, but I think the long-term outlook for Sonny, I, I do not personally believe that Nickel is, is the best use of his talent. I think he could be a great, strong safety. I think he could also be a great linebacker, quite frankly, I think with his size and his athleticism, I think he could be a great player at either of those positions. I I think he's, he's able to play the nickel and play it well because he's such a talented player, but I don't think that position totally fits his skill set. I think that position really does fit Jordan Hancock's skill set. And so I think, you know, Jordan Hancock being a starter there, I think is an ideal fit for Ohio State's defense. And I think the good news is, you know, I do not want to minimize Leif and Ransom because I think Leif and Ransom has been great this year. He's been one of the team's most consistently reliable defenders. And so losing him for any period of time is a significant loss. But I think the fact that you can move Sonny back into that position makes me feel like there's not going to be a huge drop off there. Right. And, you know, we talked about it before the physicality of this defensive back group and Jordan Hancock's a big part of it, you know, willing to stick your face in the fan and make plays in the running game in addition to the pass game. And, you know, 
to reiterate what you said, losing Lathan Ransom is a blow to the defense. It hurts uh, to lose a guy that reliable who has that experience back there, who has he's had a fantastic season and I'm sure was trying to ramp up to a, you know, sort of a redemption arc for last year and the struggles he had against Michigan and Georgia down the stretch, you know. Um, we'll see how long he's out, but it, it is nice to have Sonny Styles to replace him and have the ability to trust Jordan Hancock to really play that nickel role full time now, you know when he's shown the ability to defend against the run as well as he has, you don't need to take him off the field in two tight end sets. He can stick his face in the fan, make plays in the run game. And I've always thought, you know, strong safety was Sonny's best position. I've said it many times on this podcast. Uh, his range, I think, is the main thing to me. Um, he, you talk about how explosive of an athlete he is and that length, uh, the ability to cover a lot of ground. It serves you well in playing zone coverage, but with that physicality, you also want to be more of that strong safety type, come up and make those plays, make those hits in the run game like he's shown. Um, so I do think this will be... A, Ohio State isn't going to lose too much from Lathan back there being out uh, just because Sonny is going to be the one replacing him. Now, how quickly does he acclimate to the new spot? We saw him taking reps there before Lathan got injured. He, he took nine snaps at deep safety before that injury, uh, and he's played deep safety at in various you know brief spots the rest of the year. But to play it full-time, not just as like a package thing, how will he adjust? You know, the kid is still only 18, should be a freshman right now after enrolling a year early from high school. Just how fast can he acclimate to that being his full-time job in this defense, his full-time role? And then you start seeing the upside, the athleticism after that, rather than just flashes, you know, you need consistency in that spot because it is a deep safety spot. You can't big up, give up big plays if you're out of position. Now, it wasn't a great day for the offense as a whole, but it certainly was a great day for Travion Henderson, who came back in his first game after missing three games due to injury, and he had 207 yards from scrimmage, more than half of Ohio State's total offense in that game, and I think really proved how valuable he can be to the Buckeyes, particularly in the running game. The team rushing average still wasn't spectacular, only 4.2 yards per carry, but that's better than what it had in any of the three games without Travion Henderson. And his explosiveness just clearly adds something. The, the running game had been lacking without him, without him. He was also very you know valuable in this game as a pass catcher out of a backfield. And I think you know you you really saw in that game you know why he's the number one running back on his team and why it's really important for him to be healthy down the stretch because I think for a run game that does it does not have a great offensive line and that really needs to have someone who can make plays happen based on his own ability Travion is certainly the guy who who is able to do that He's like the shooting guard that can create his own shot in a basketball game. And he kind of, I mean, he kind of crosses over opponents the way he uh, weaves and jukes and jump cuts and does all those things out of the backfield. You know, I, Travion is obviously a different running back to anything Ohio State has. And he's one of the most special backs in the country. And, you know, this week was really about showcasing his value to the offense, just the night and day difference when they had him, when they didn't. And against, you know, Wisconsin defense that is solid, a little weaker against the run, but uh, very solid nonetheless. And I there were plenty of plays that he makes that you look at and you go, yeah, I don't think there's anyone else in this running back room that makes that play. Not a knock against them. He's just a special, different kind of athlete. His burst is unique. Said it many times before. And that was, it's just a change of pace they missed. And also, I think, you know, there were some runs in this game where, he was kind of caught up in the backfield and using that burst, that agility, was able to maybe turn a negative two-yard gain into a two-yard gain. And those are the kinds of plays that always go under the radar but are very important for an offense trying to stay on schedule or at least close to it and setting up downs later. There weren't, you know, Ohio State didn't do a great job in this one of finishing off the drives it sustained, but 
that will give them the ability to sustain more drives into the future, having Travion Henderson, who can do those sorts of things. Now, speaking of special players, Marvin Harrison Jr. was certainly special once again in Madison. He had six catches for 123 yards and two touchdowns. Marvin has now topped 100 yards in six of Ohio State's last seven games. He has eight touchdowns in those seven games. Uh, He is just one more 100-yard game away from tying the school record for most consecutive 100-yard games. He's had four in a row. The record is five by both Chris Carter and Jackson Smith and Jigba. And if, if he does that against Rutgers, he would also tie David Boston's record for the most career 100-yard games with 14. And if I had a Heisman vote, I, I would be strongly tempted to, to put Marvin Harrison number one on my ballot right now. You know, Michael Penix is certainly very much alive in that conversation. J.J. McCarthy is very much in that conversation. It would probably be Bose free in some order. But the way Marvin Harrison Jr. is playing, I, I think he is the best player in the country. He, he's, he's, the, he's certainly the best player on the team that's ranked number one in the country right now. I think for an offense that is struggling more than we've seen in past years, I think he has done a lot to bail the offense out and to allow an offense that isn't quite in rhythm to do enough to win every game. And, and man, I mean, the, the second touchdown he ca- catch he made against Wisconsin, I think was probably his best catch of a year. And it's just week in and week out. The, the guy just makes special plays and reminds you how good he is. Yeah, and you know, we've talked about before, he's not putting up the Devontae Smith-type numbers uh, from 2020 that are often required of a receiver to win the Heisman. Still on pace to have a fantastic statistical year, but you know, I, I think the thing that benefits him in a Heisman race is that there's no really strong number one contender right now. You know, Penix kind of has the edge, but Wisconsin's looking for Wisconsin. Washington has looked super inconsistent the last couple of weeks, really struggled in some games and that they shouldn't have. And, you know, part of that falls on the quarterback and JJ McCarthy hasn't really played anybody. He's the number two contender kind of right now. Caleb Williams is pretty much out of it at this point. There's no really strong number one contender that's emerged yet. And that's going to help Marvin stay in this Heisman race now that, you know, the team people are starting to campaign for it. Right. It's as much about that attention as anything. This was another really strong outing from him, though, uh, with the six catches, one of the more spectacular catchdown ca- touchdown catches he's had in his career. And that's really saying something because he's had a lot of them. The way he's able to play a ball in the air and still have the control to get his a foot down in bounds uh, does it as good or better than anyone in the country. One of many things that you can say that about him as a receiver. Uh, and his top end speed, I think, has been the number one thing to me this season specifically that stood out you know we saw it last year he was making plays in space and he's always been a fantastic route runner but just he can separate from defenses on these crossing routes we've seen it back-to-back weeks him scoring big touchdowns on crossing routes um and now he's starting to be used in that slot role more and that's giving you more options to get him open and again take advantage of that top end speed which is truly fantastic Now, it was certainly not the best game for Kyle McCord, who turned the ball over three times in the first half, lost a fumble on a strip sack, also threw two interceptions for the first time as an Ohio State quarterback. And then in the second half, we saw him uh, get injured uh, on a scramble in in the third quarter, uh, ran for first down, but had a defender land on his ankle or his leg. And it was clear the rest of the game, he was hobbled. Uh, He was not able to move quite normally. He was not able to to plant and throw the way that he normally would. Now, let's give him credit. He showed impressive toughness by continuing to play. He he was clearly in pain, but uh, he did not miss a snap. He stayed in there and actually played a lot better in the second half than he did in the first half. He did not. If you take out the two intentional grounding penalties he had, which did, I, I think, certainly the fact that he was on a hobbled ankle, I think that played a part in those intentional groundings. I think you saw Wisconsin dial up even more pressure, recognizing that Kyle uh, was struggling to move out of a pocket and led to those uh, intentional groundings. But uh, Kyle did 
not officially have an incomplete pass in the second half. And so uh, you got to give him a lot of credit for how he hung in there, continued to play, uh, allowed Ohio State to, you know, finish off the game and, and win the game, even when he clearly wasn't himself. I, I do think that, you know, there's some legitimate concerns about Kyle McCord right now. And the fact that, you know, I, I think early in the year, you could kind of point to that improvement every week. And I think the last few weeks, it feels like he's kind of plateaued and we're, we're not really seeing him get to that next level right now. We're still seeing that inconsistency from week to week. And, you know, I think, you know, he, I think that ankle was something that was already bothering him, even if he really wasn't letting on. And so that might be a part of it. But, I, you know, certainly I think you, you go into this final month of a regular season maybe not feeling great about Kyle McCord, especially when you think about, okay, is this the guy that can lead us to victory against Michigan? I I think there's certainly some questions there, and I think those are compounded by the fact that uh, now you you don't know how healthy he is, and I think you know we'll see how he looks this upcoming week against Rutgers, but still got to give him a lot of credit for the fact that he he he's done what he needs to do every week for Ohio State to win the game. You you could argue that Ohio State in some of these games is winning in spite of Kyle McCord, and this this might be the game which you'd really would point to in, in terms of that. But he is still making enough plays for Ohio State to win every week, and he's showing a lot of toughness. And I think certainly that's something that when you think about his place as a leader and as somebody who people are going to rally around, I think to see him fight through that injury and finish off the game is certainly something that's going to gain him respect from his teammates. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of the points we made last week about his inconsistency and you're right. It, it's the couple last couple of weeks. He's kind of hit this plateau where, you know, you're scared about whether he can get there. If you're an Ohio state fan, you know, is he going to reach that ceiling that he has before this team has to go play Michigan. What I will say, you know, just to further along your point about, you know, positives, the story of him every week, you know, in these big games lately feels like he has an inconsistent off first half where he's missing throws, you know, and some of them are gimme throws even. Uh, and then the second half is really where he turns it on and even takes over sometimes in the fourth quarter a little bit. Not not necessarily taking over. It's mainly Marvin Harrison that's taking over, but you know is able to get the ball to guys who can take over the game um, as the game progresses. And you know that was true against Penn State. It was true against Wisconsin. If you're going to get your best out of a guy, you want it to be in the fourth quarter. There's something to be said for that. I think when the game is on the line, Kyle's been at his best been true of Ohio State as well. And Ryan Day talked about that after the Wisconsin game, how they've had great fourth quarters this season, and that's something you want to see from a championship caliber team. Then, you know, the Notre Dame of course game is of course the best example of it where he, you know, he looks shaky much of the night, but then goes out and leads Ohio State on a game winning touchdown drive right at the end, uh, with some, you know, really good throws to convert on fourth and seven or third and nineteen there. So that's one the biggest positive I think with Kyle McCord is that ability to stay in the game to win in the most important moments. Now there's definitely a lot of things to work on. Uh, both the picks didn't look great, although you know they like they agreed that the first one was just a really bad decision. Days on or day. McCord is on a rollout. He sees, you know, it's well covered in the end zone. Needs to just throw that ball away. Instead, chucks it into coverage. It gets picked. The second one we felt was late. Day credited it to just a great play by the corner coming off a deep zone there. He had the outer third and deep zone coverage and uh, just comes off the deep zone, comes up to make a play on the ball and intercepts it, you know, a pass intended for Marvin Harrison. Still feel like McCord could have thrown that earlier, but the main thing I think with consistency and, you know, we'll see how much the ankle impacts. This is McCord's footwork. That's what day said today, you know, about when his feet are right, he's right most of the time. And he's got to trust in his feet and have that clean footwork in the pocket to deliver these throws accurately, accurately and on time. That's how you do it as a quarterback. It all starts from the ground up quite literally. Uh, and I think, 
you'll be looking to see more of that against Rutgers, which transition, that's who Ohio State's playing this week. If you didn't hear before, they're bowl eligible. First time since 2014, this team has won six games in a season. Tell your grandkids, folks, bowl eligible Rutgers. Uh, Don't let it be forgotten to history. Yeah, you got to give Greg Schiano a lot of credit. You know, I think he's a guy who, you know, it's, you kind of had the feeling when he went back there that like it's just it's just the perfect match of of coach and program. A New Jersey guy, he led Rutgers to basically its most successful stretch ever in his first stint there. Then he went to the NFL, you know, had his stint at Ohio State as a defensive coordinator, and then went back to Rutgers. And it's just it's just it's the perfect place for him, and he's the perfect coach for that program. And he's found a way to get the best out of a program that you know, historically has just not been able to compete with the big boys in the Big Ten. But, you know, they're they're competing this year. I mean, that's that's the big thing to say about Rutgers is, you know, they they are they are competing in 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 every game and, and they're they're winning most of their games. I mean they're they're six and two this season. Their only losses are to Michigan and Wisconsin, even against Michigan. And they lost thirty one to seven, but that was a game that was competitive for a while until Michigan pulled away at the end and so uh this is a Rutgers team that you know you, we, we talked about it before about how you know November I mean it's, this month is very much going to be that ramp up to Michigan but I think of the next three games this is the toughest game and like you would not have thought that even going into the year that you know Rutgers would be a in my mind clearly tougher game than Michigan State but you know all the turmoil that's happened up there at Michigan State. You know, you look at that game next week at home. I don't think it scares you at all. This game, I'm not going to say it scares you, but I, I do think this is a game that if if Ohio State doesn't show up, if Ohio State doesn't take Rutgers seriously, that it, this is a game that could certainly be 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 closer than you might expect. Now, I think Ohio State will take Rutgers seriously because I I think, you know, certainly Ryan Day uh, has respect for Greg Schiano having worked with him before. And I think you just got to look at the defensive numbers. Right now, Rutgers ranks number nine in the country in, in yards allowed per game. It ranks number two in the country in passing yards allowed per game. Granted, has not really played many elite offenses. I mean, outside of Michigan, the teams they've played, most of them are bad teams offensively quite frankly and so that helps the numbers but nonetheless you know we're not talking four games into the season we're talking eight games into the season and Rutgers is in the top 10 country top 10 in the country in defense and so you got to give Rutgers a lot of credit for that uh they're not a defense you know it's kind of like with Ohio State we talked about Ohio State they're not a defense that you're going to pick out like one star is the reason why they're great it's kind of a more of a by committee defense with just a lot of players that are playing really solid. Certainly not as talented as Ohio State's defense is, but you know, just playing really well uh, together as as a unit. Uh, a lot of guys are out there making plays, and I think because of that, you know, this is going to be another test for that Ohio State offense as. Uh, Ohio State looks to get some offensive rhythm going that it really needs to here in this month of November, but I don't think that's going to come easily this week against Rutgers. Yeah, you say by committee defense. I think another word for that might be system defense. You know, Ryan Day talked today about it. One of the reasons he thinks this Rutgers team is much better from a year ago is because it's another year in Greg Schiano's system. Um, and their identity is clear. You know, they, they have this really good defense. And on offense, they're going to run the ball. Um, that's that's the whole ether of it. You know, they're not an offense that's very productive, 107th in yardage per game, but much better in rushing. And that's, you know, if you play ball control on offense and your defense can stand up in those moments and, you know, you're a top 10 total defense in the country, you're going to be in these games. And they were in that game with Michigan for a while. Really, this is a team that can make things very competitive uh, if Ohio State doesn't mind its P's and Q's. So, um, I, you know, you do expect the talent, talent disparity to win out in the end, but, you know, uh, on offense, you, you look a little more at it. They have the top rusher in the Big Ten, Kyle Manongai, 744 yards. Gavin Wimsad is a good rusher in his own right. He's got more than 300 yards on the ground. Um, so, you know, this defense is going to have to not only play strong against the run, as they really have all year, but discipline, too, when you're accounting for Wimsad in some situations where he could keep it and 
run for a nice gain himself. Uh, not going to be as big of a threat with the arm, only 50.3% completions this year. Not a good number there. His yards per attempt pretty low as well. So for the Ohio State defense, it's really going to be about trying to make some plays against the run game to get Rutgers behind schedule, and then that will allow the offense more bites at the apple if maybe they come out slow again. Yeah, I mean, this is a game that I think could look kind of like some of those games we saw early in the year where Ohio State didn't have that many possessions because the opponent was uh, controlling controlling the clock, running the ball, and uh, you know playing good defense. I, I think this could be kind of like one of those games. Like you said, Rutgers is going to run the ball a lot. You know, the defense isn't going to make things easy for Ohio State. Uh, this is certainly a game you look at as a threat where maybe Rutgers could make a big play on special teams. We know Ohio State hasn't been great on special teams this year. We know Rutgers uh, likes to pull out bags of tricks on special teams. So, you know, could Rutgers make a special teams play that changes this game and 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 gives them a chance to give Ohio State a scare? I think that's certainly possible. I think the ingredients are there where... You know, you, you, you look over the course of time in this Ohio State versus Rutgers series. They've played nine times dating back to 2014. Ohio State has won all of those games by at least 22 points. Ohio State has scored at least 49 points in all nine of those games. But I don't think that's going to happen this year. I, I do not see Ohio State uh, scoring that number of points or even really coming that close the spread as of tuesday night was 18 and a half points in ohio state's favor i am going to save a buckeyes cover but i'm going to say this is going to be the closest game ohio state has ever played against Rutgers. i'm actually going to roll back my exact score prediction from last week and i'm going to say ohio state 31 Rutgers 10 yeah dan i um i'm pretty similar uh 31 to 6 is my score for Ohio State. I have them covering as well. I just don't see Rutgers scoring a touchdown in this game uh, because they're one dimensional on offense. You know, with, with that, as strong as that running game can be at times, uh, I think this Ohio State defense is too good. Uh, to allow a one dimensional team to get in the end zone on them. Now, you know, maybe there's something fluky that happens. You can always have a big play on the road that just springs out for a touchdown out of nowhere, although that hasn't been the defense's MO this season, certainly. Fluky things, funky things can happen. Um, But I see this being a game where it's close through the first quarter, maybe even nearing halftime before Ohio State takes over. And and like I said, wins 31-6. Pretty comfortable there. And one point better than Michigan's win over Rutgers. Um, (laughs) I I guess you can put whatever significance you want to into that. As you mentioned earlier in the show, we are expecting to see Emeka Buka back for Ohio State this week, at least if Ryan Day is to be taken at his word. Uh, you know, we did hear on Tuesday as well that Devin Brown would be back at practice this week. Didn't sound anything close to definitive that Devin Brown would necessarily be available to play this week. I would assume that if he is, we're not going to see the red zone package this week. I would guess that if he's available, it would be more in the case of if needed to play, that they probably would not force him out there just just to get him out there as he continues to recover from that uh, ankle injury he suffered against Penn State. One bit of surprising injury news that we got on Tuesday was learning that Mayan Williams is out for the rest of the season with a knee injury that he suffered. Uh, Certainly a a tough year for Mayan Williams, the guy who led Ohio State in rushing last year, uh, was the number three running back for most of this season, and then, uh, you know, has this injury now that cuts his season short. Not a major loss for Ohio State because Travion Henderson is the starting running back. Chip Trainum has been solidly the number two running back all year, but it, it is certainly a hit for Ohio State's running back depth, especially when Ohio State is still trying to preserve that Dallin Hayden redshirt. Y- yes, the um, you know, you still want that short yardage option there that Mayan provides, you know, if uh, something happens to Chip, especially. And Again, just mainly feel for the guy, you know, who's had a lot of ups and downs both on and off the field. You talk about last year with the injuries and some of the things he went through uh, personally. They're um, a guy you feel for and um, just wish all the best to Mayan. 
and uh, you know the backfield will carry on without him. Um, but you know, very much uh, feel bad for the guy there. Yeah, and we'll see if Mayan Williams, if he ends up returning to Ohio State next year, does still have two years of eligibility. Ryan Day said Tuesday he was not certain you know, what Mayan Williams' plans would be beyond this year. Certainly a guy who I think we probably would have expected would move on to the NFL going into this season, but with a year not going according to plan, now he's going to have to make a decision about what's best for his future. For sure. And uh, we'll, we'll see how exactly Ohio State is impacted by this injury. He's not the only guy, um, you know, he's out for the year. We talked about Latham, we talked about at Mecca, but of course, Kyle dealing with his ankle. JT was in some pain at points of that Wisconsin game. We got hints that Kate Stover might have been dealing with something against Wisconsin. A lot of nicks and bruises with this team right now that they're, they're going to have to tough it out through these next uh, this next month here. Yeah, and that, but that's November in the Big Ten, right? I mean, Ryan, Ryan Day said Tuesday he was talking about that. He said, "quote No, no one cares." So, uh, <laughs> you know, no, you know, no, you know. I know that you know there are certain people out there who wonder, you know, wh- why does Ohio State have all these injuries? Well, ev- every team has injuries. It's it's football. It's it's you know late in the season. It's just one of those things you have to deal with. Uh, and you know, Ohio State's depth at certain positions is going to be tested. So far, Ohio State has passed those tests. We'll see if it can continue to pass those tests here in the final month of a regular season. As you mentioned at the top of the show, Ohio State basketball season starts on Monday. And so uh, as we've been doing here for the last few years on this show, uh, we're going to pick some head-to-head lineups for the Ohio State men's basketball team uh, going into the season. Uh, We'll keep the format pretty simple here. It'll be a snake draft. Andy's going to flip a coin and whoever uh, wins the coin flip will be able to decide if they want the first pick or if they want to give the first pick to the other person. And then we will alternate two picks at a time from there. Uh, 15 players on the team. So we'll pick seven players each, uh, 14 players to round out a five-man starting lineup and, and two bench players until we get to 14. So Andy, you want to flip the coin? Siri, flip a coin. Right. I'll pick tails. It's heads. Ah. I'm going to take the first pick. I'm going to pick Bruce Thornton. Uh, I think the most valuable player to this team, undoubtedly this year. Offense is going to run through him. Um, really strong point guard there to kind of get the lineup in order. Yeah, that was that was an obvious choice. Certainly would have been my number one choice too. So I was hoping I would win that coin flip. I would have taken a number one pick, but uh, certainly I think the right pick by you. Uh, you know, two for three. I, I really feel like I could go. There's there's three different guys, but I kind of look at here, and it's kind of a tough choice between two of them. But I'm going to start with Roddy Gale. Uh, certainly, what we saw from Roddy Gale in the Big Ten tournament last year, uh, if he can play like that all year long. He has the potential uh, to be a second star in that backcourt for this Ohio State team this year. And so, you know, I, I view him really as probably the guy who has the second highest ceiling on this team this year after, after Bruce Fortin. And so that's why I'm taking him with the number two pick. And then I'm going to go with another one of the sophomores for the third overall pick. And I'm going to take Felix Akparo with what we saw uh, from him late last season as well. I think he is someone who has the potential uh, to be a, a difference maker for Ohio State in the post, a guy who can really be kind of that true center that Ohio State fans have been longing for for a while. Right. And uh, I agree with your assessments there. I think the uh, third guy that maybe you were hinting at looking at there is who I'm going to pick at number four, and that's Jamison Battle. Uh, you talk about the wing scoring, uh, what he adds as a transfer to this team, something it really, really needed uh, after Justice Suing and Bryce Sensiball left. Uh, man's a sharpshooter and showed it against Dayton. I think he's going to bring a lot to the offense this year and try to make some improvements on defense as the team as a whole kind of looks to to do exactly that. Now there's a couple different directions to go here for me in, in the five spot. I think there's only one other really good center to pick on this team. So I think that's kind of where I have to go. And so I'm going to pick Zed key kind of out of need for my own lineup. I, I needed that big guy. There's, there's a little bit more depth at the, at the guard and small forward position even. Um, but 
I for for me, I think best position of need drafting for me is to go with Zed Key here. Guy who slimmed down, has a little more versatility this year than he has in years past. Uh, obviously, always has a really good post game, but maybe we'll see a little bit more from him on the defensive end this year, from on the rebound, you know, rebounding, doing some things that maybe he hasn't done in the past as well. For my next choice here, again, I'm kind of in a spot where I, I'm debating between three players here that I, I could go with. But for my first pick, I'm going to go with Scotty Middleton because I, I my hunch is that Middleton is going to end up having the biggest role of the freshman this year. I think he's probably among the freshmen, the guy who's most ready uh, to contribute on the defensive end. And I think he's a guy that has a lot of position versatility. I think, you know, he, he's a wing, but I think he could play anywhere from, you know, small forward to point guard. And so I think uh, adding him to my team and just all the versatility, all the potential uh, that he has, uh, you know, I think to me makes him the best player left on the board. And then, you know, my next pick, I, I remember last year when I did this, I I allowed Griffin to end up taking both of the team's top two point guards, which hurt my team. And so I'm not going to make that mistake again. And I'm going to go with Dale Bonner to be my primary ball handler. Certainly not a bad selection there. And the next choice I would have made, uh, but I, you know, I would have stuck him at that, uh, that two guard position uh, in lieu of Roddy Gale, who, who you so kindly took off the board. Um, I think my, uh, my next pick here is really going to be the you know the guy who's been the starting three for this team uh, so far. I still need a three. We can slide Jamison down to the four. It's going to be Evan Mahaffey. Um Evan, a really strong defensive player, versatile there. Um, we'll see what he can bring on the offensive side, um, but helping to you know round my starting lineup out there as the three. Um, now at two guard, you know, there's uh, some options off the bench here. We, you, we, the top three guards kind of off the board here. Um, I think, you know, probably going to go with um, the upside here and pick Tyson Chapman. Um, guy who, when he comes back from injury, I think could make a real impact for this team. Uh, a bit more size there at the two. And, you know, one of the more highly rated freshmen, even if he isn't as far along as a Scotty Middleton or even a Devin Royal. Not bad choices, but I am very glad that you picked those two because the other player I was debating with my last two picks was Devin Royal. And so very glad to get Devin Royal here at the 10th pick. That feels like a steal to me. I, I think he's going <laughs> to be a top seven player on the team this year. I think he's someone, you know, he's not quite the same player as an EJ Liddell, but I do think that he has the upside to to have that kind of trajectory as a Buckeye. And we saw EJ Liddell make an immediate impact as a freshman. I think Devin Royal probably going to start off the bench, but I think he's a guy, especially if not getting Jamison Battle, I really wanted to get Devin Royal as, as a guy who can play both of those forward spots. And, you know, I think, Putting him in there along with Middleton uh, gives me gives me two really uh, high upside uh, wing forward types to also pair with Roddy Gale. So I, I like I really like getting Devin Royal here to round out my starting lineup. Uh, and then uh, you go to uh, now you know starting to pick from the bench. Uh, and and again I think you know now there's there's three scholarship players left here. Uh, I could really go with any one of them, but. I think I'm going to go with Austin Parks because I think Austin Parks is probably the one of those three that is the most likely uh, to contribute in any meaningful way this season uh, gives me another big off the bench. Yeah, um, I agree with you there, you know, kind of get some big depth there. Uh, and the only one left on the board that I could see having some sort of role just because of, you know, their lack of depth at maybe the true five, uh, you know, power forward, even positions for me, I I'm just picking him because of how he lit up, uh, Buckeyes, you know, what the replacement of it for Buckeyes on the blacktop, the meet, the team night hit 40 of 53s on uh, that evening. And that was Bowen Hardman. Uh, just because I like his style, nothing, nothing much else there. I don't really expect him to have a role with this team because I'm not sure he does too much outside the shooting. And you know, who's to say he can replicate that in a game setting? Um, still, a lot of areas of his game to work on and improve on. Um, but still, a, a guy that I like uh, coming off 
the bench out of the options left. And then uh, I think from there, I'm going to take Kalen Etzler, just, uh, you know, uh, another guy you don't expect to have a huge role this season, but, you know, just kind of looking at who's available. I think that's the best option. And I'll go ahead and round it out with Colby Bauman. Uh, really, uh, two walk-ons left, Owen Spencer, Colby Bauman, since I already picked uh, a big for my bench. I want to get a guard for my bench. So I will go ahead and take Colby Bauman. So uh, you look at the rosters, uh, that, that leaves Andy with Bruce Fortin, Jamison Battle, Zed Key, Evan Mahaffey, Tyson Chapman, uh, Bowen Hardman, and Kalen Etzler. Leaves me with Roddy Gale, Felix Akpara, Scotty Middleton, Dale Bonner, Devin Royal, Austin Parks, and and Colby Bauman. I I think those are pretty even teams. Andy, uh, we'll uh, we'll have to put up an article on the website here later this week and and a poll so that you all can vote and and tell us what you think. But you know, I I think I, I think I feel like those teams are, are pretty evenly matched. I think it would be a a, a fun game to watch. I agree. I think it's going to be interesting to see where the people go, because honestly, I'm not leaning one way or the other. I think we we drafted pretty even here. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think from your perspective, you know, certainly I think having Bruce Fortin, uh, I would love to have Bruce Fortin on my team. I do think Bruce Fortin's going to be the best player on this team. And so uh, certainly I think, you know, that gives you an edge bear at the point guard spot. But I, I really like the, I really like the middle of my lineup here. I think having having Roddy Gale, Scotty Middleton, Devin Royal. I think that gives me a lot of flexibility, especially having that true big in Felix Akpara. You know, I I don't want to be too big around him because small ball is the way, uh, you know, college basketball game is gone. So I think to have three really versatile players like that on the wing to go around a true center and a true point guard, I, I, I like the way my team rounded out. Right. And, uh, you know, personally outside Bruce, I, I also like, you know, some of the how Jamison battle and Evan Mahaffey kind of complement each other on the wing for me. You know, I think Jamison's going to be more of that scoring threat. and Evan will provide a little more defense, you know, just just kind of comboing off each other there, because I think Jamison was a really good pickup kind of the guy that, you know, I think I think the top four in this draft was pretty set in stone. And, you know, each of us got two of those guys as it worked out. Um, so, you know, you have two guys that you really like to, to build the foundation of the lineup on, but then, you know, you have that wing versatility and Dale Bonner, I, he's a guy that I think still has a lot of speed and things, traits that no one else on the team has. He might be in for a bigger year than people are expecting. So I wouldn't sleep on that pick for you either, Dan. And, and you know, much like last year, a, a lot of unknowns going into this season. I feel like Bruce is kind of a one like known commodity i think you know roddy felix somewhat as well jameson battle somewhat as well because he's come from a big 10 uh you know zed zed key i picked him number one last year so zed key's certainly a guy uh certainly the longest tenured buckeye on this team but i think you know there's still some question with felix's rise what zed's role is going to look like on this team but he's still a guy that's going to play a lot and then you know outside of those five I think there's a ton of unknowns. I mean, I think you have, you know, you know, three freshmen there and Scotty Middleton, Devin Royal and, and Tyson Chapman, who we expect all three of those guys to be in the rotation this year to play a role, but they're freshmen. So you really don't know. Could, could, could one of those guys have a Malachi Branham or a Bryce Sensabaugh type breakout year? It's certainly possible, but you don't know until you really see it. And I think, you know, Dale Bonner and, and Evan Mahaffey, another guy as well that you mentioned, those are two guys that, could certainly potentially play much bigger roles at Ohio State than they did at their previous schools. Bonner coming from Baylor, Mahaffey being a young guy still coming from Penn State. You know, those are guys that I think could certainly potentially play bigger roles on this team than they have in the past. So it's going to be a very interesting season. Uh, you will be there at Valley Value City Arena on Monday at 6 p.m. where Ohio State uh, will open its season against Oakland. Uh, women's basketball will also be opening its season on Monday. They'll be playing USC out in Las Vegas. Uh, the women's game will be televised on True TV, while the men's game will be only available on Big Ten Plus. So for those of you out there who hate streaming, uh, a tough, tough break there to start the season for Ohio State uh, men's basketball. But if you don't feel like subscribing to Big Ten Plus, be sure to stick with 11 Warriors as Andy will have plenty of coverage from that game. 
Absolutely. You know, and, you know, there's a very uh, underrated, underappreciated song from the Gorillas featuring MF Doom. If you know MF Doom, you know, heart goes out to you. I'm a big MF Doom fan. The uh, it's November has come, Dan. If you if you get some time tonight while you're working on whatever other things, there's a there's a song for you to listen to. November has come. That's what is you know, November 1st, day this podcast goes up. November for Ohio State football, the start of Ohio State basketball season, the big, busiest time of the year for us. November has come, Dan, and I'm excited for the start of it. This guy on Monday night just randomly hits me with a DM of a, of a biggie deep cut. So uh, that that's uh, working with Andy. I, I was I, I told him I was looking at like my most listened songs to the past month. And it was a lot of a lot of rap on there. And I'm like, I've, I've been spending too much time with Andy. Um, no, it's it's uh, all in all in good fun. I, I like I like rap as well, but not as much as Andy does. So uh, got to give that one to him. I am a rap connoisseur, you might say. But as Andy said, it's it's a really busy month of November. Uh, football in the final month of regular season. Basketball getting started up. We're getting closer to the college football playoff. Uh, we're going to see what continues to happen with this whole Michigan stand- scandal. So make sure you stay tuned with 11 Warriors for our coverage on all of that. And check back in next week. We hope you'll listen once again here on Real Pod Wednesdays.